Welcome to the latest episode of Brew with Captain Stew. With the conflict in Ukraine ongoing and sanctions on Russia impacting global shipping lanes, we're taking a look at the complexity of the way our sector does business. Does it really have to be so complicated? Stew has a big birthday on the horizon, but definitely doesn't want a party, and somebody brought home a bit of a cough from their recent ski trip. We hope you'll pull up a chair, pour yourself a cuppa, and join our latest catch-up with the captain. How are we all doing? What's been happening? February. Yeah. Gone. Done. Gosh, where do we start? Ah, oh, I'll tell you where we'll start, Louise. COVID. Bloody oh, COVID. God. No, she's moved on. No, no, no. <laughs> I want to tell you, I've had it. I've had it. And if it, the whole world needs to know, I've had it. I sort of got away with it. Two years dodging it like a bullet. And then February's been a nightmare month for me. Was, well, how was it? Presumably you are vaccinated? Tri- triple vaccinated. Triple Good. vaccinated. Um, it all started on the 1st of February and it, it all had to do with COVID. I was going to enjoy a lovely holiday at skiing after two years of waiting in Canada. And uh, my best mate decided that he was not fit to fly and failed his PCR. So that created a whole whirlwind of inabilities to get to the other side of the world so we then uh realized that he could pass his lateral flow so we could get into europe went to france had a great week skiing and then it all went wrong on the way home picking up a little cough and then a little temperature and then i got home tested positive and then three weeks was completely battered no three weeks three weeks only got a clear yesterday morning uh, that was my first uh, negative gosh so literally the whole month of february yeah wow i don't want to do that again at least it's only a short month eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah thank god it wasn't elite year um yeah so it was uh, it let's let's hope march is much better but i'm sure that we'll talk about things that are not not quite as good Oh, we're springing into spring. Indeed we are, but we seem to be springing into all sorts of other things as well on the global stage. I do. Yeah, I mean, I guess last time we all met, we we were talking about what might happen um, if Russia were to invade Ukraine. Obviously, things have moved on significantly since we last spoke. Um, Mike, could you start us off by by giving us a kind of overview of what's going on from a, a shipping maritime point of view, what's what's happening in the, the Black Sea? Yeah, um, I think the first thing to mention though is that the, uh, you know, we, we talked about shipping having front row seats during conflict, um, during the last one. And you know, generally speaking, it's not the seafarers war that they get engaged with, it's somebody else's, some, somebody else's war. And I think within, within the first, 24, 36 hours of this, we had uh, four merchant ships involved in, in, in attacks. Two were, I think it was two Ukrainian flagships taken somewhere towards the Crimea, held for 24 hours and then released. Uh, and then we've just heard of the, the, the first um, fatality, a seafarer fatality, a Bangladeshi um, third engineer, who I think, you know, these people rapidly become statistics in these things. So 
I'm going to name him if I can get his name right. It was Hadizur Rahman. Um, uh, and, and uh, you know, I'd say just an innocent bystander, as there are many innocent bystanders in this. And uh, she, I, as we said, you, you really can't hold a war without shipping and, and shipping's often uh, involved. But um, what's happened in uh, the Black Sea? I mean, the, Ukraine closed its ports promptly, and uh, but what was there was there and uh, um, nothing's going in. There, is, there are trades other, way, other places in the Black Sea. Clearly it's the, it's a bit of a niche sort of area for, for shipping. Um, but there are significant exports out of out of the area. Uh, Ukraine on its own accounts for 10% of the world's grain. So clearly that's got it. If you're looking for grain, you need to get it somewhere else. So uh, that may be sort of positive if there are any positives in, in, in any of this for shipping markets. Um, tankers uh, at the moment, because of the sanctions environment, a lot of uncertainty. Um, tankers are commanding premiums to pick up Russian cargoes. Uh, some of are refusing to pick them up at all. And, and so we really don't, we're at a point where the international community has rallied around pretty quickly, put in sanctions regimes, but there are, there are difficulties around sanctions regimes. And, 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 and in some respects, you know, when they say, right, we're not allowing a Russian ship in, for example. But what is a Russian ship? Mm. Is that a Russian flagship or is it a Russian class ship? Is it a foreign ship with Russian crews? Is it a ship that's uh, an international ship that's been financed by a Russian bank? And then, of course, what, what happens then is you have um, how dig do you deep? How close is the relationship need to be? Uh, we get the use of shelf companies and, and, and uh, you know, we, we already do this quite a lot in shipping. If you, the, the sort of deliberate opaqueness, it's not necessarily to mask illegal activity it can be do, to do with tax optimization and all sorts of all sorts of things like that but we the, the industry is deliberately opaque and um, when you look at scrapping for example something that we've been doing for years and years and years a company will sell a ship to a company for future trading and its future trading is it goes to a beach in Alang and gets scrapped so if you're the company that sold the ship oh, no I didn't sell a ship to scrap I didn't park it on a beach I gave it to this company. That company parked mm. it on a beach. Who is that company? Well, that's a place in the Virgin Islands or some other uh, um, jurisdiction um, that allows that stuff to happen. So the sanctions environment immediately sort of butts up against this opacity in the industry, and it's very difficult to implement. And of course, and, and whose job is it to unpick that, Mike? How, uh, whose whose eyes are on it, and who's who's enforcing this? A lot of it is the regulatory authorities, the fight like the, it would be the Financial Conduct Authority in the UK or, or, or and the fraud and areas of that. Uh, I think I think um, and I don't want to, you know, maybe I shouldn't mention it, but I do believe Stuart's had a letter from a, from, from a bank once that you might want to uh, talk about, because uh, it does happen when you're when you're in an international trading environment, you get a letter mm -hmm. from, say, the US, for example, and often from the US that says we believe you may have been engaged in a sanctioned trade. Um, and that's a bit of a warning. You get you get notifications. You get notifications from our bank. We get notifications from a bank when they suspect where 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 something flags across our our account activity, and they let you know um, so that you can investigate it further. And, and and that's that's so. I think they're primarily it's the financial institutions and the regulatory authorities associated with that. That um, they're the ones that pick up on these things uh, first of all. And that's what? fairly quickly done, is it? 
I mean, Stu, Mike, Mike said you had a letter. Is that in the last week or? <laughs> no, 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 when... no, no. This is this is this is uh, this is going back at least a decade. Got um, you, got you, got you. And it was on the back of the banks being uh, slapped on the back uh, by, I think it was the U.S. government, and they'd been basically allowing trade through their banks from some illicit individuals in South America. And if you remember rightly, some of them got some significant fines. So they upped their visibility and auditing of payments. Small company at the, at the time, you know, fairly new startup company trading globally, taking payments on a regular basis from a variety of countries, all, all by the way, legal. Um, and it caught their computer's attention. And they came in. They didn't send me a letter. They came in. They walked in the door. They walked in wow. the door. I won't name the bank, but they, they were a significant global player. And they came in and uh, made us aware. I thought something was weird because the bank wasn't working that day. And they came in and then they closed the bank down for 48 hours while they investigated the nature of our invoices, who they were going to and what services they were, we were providing. Um, very difficult to explain. I have to say, very difficult because they weren't aware of shipping. They weren't aware of what we did and we um, and what we do, which was safety, you know, providing equipment for safety of life at sea. On what ship? Who owns the ship? Where? And they were asked. They weren't asking the right questions. I was aware of what they were trying to identify, and um, tried to steer the conversation and say, "Look, are you trying to identify whether this ship is owned, operated, or managed by a country that is sanctioned?" Yes, and then you have to almost educate them in saying, "Well, look, all these ships are registered here in this tropical island. They are manned by people from the Far East, and oh, but what's the flag on the back?" And luckily, the flags were correct but it, they didn't really know what they were doing we showed them all the way back that the actual vessels that they thought that they were looking at were actually mortgaged by the actual bank that had closed me down huh. and That's at that point the, yes and at that point they reinstated everything and moved on so it just goes to show even that was in the time of peace that they really didn't understand shipping and it was almost like they wanted to get out of there um but yeah it was it was it was a bit of a worrying time to start with uh and and Stu how difficult is it for anyone who works as part of the shipping supply chain given the opacity of of the industry how difficult is it to keep on top of your due diligence to know exactly who you're dealing with or does does shipping keep its blinkers on to a certain degree when it comes to that <sighs> It, it's almost it's almost impossible to answer that question. You can you can have morals in your company. You can put as much due diligence as you want in there. And and, and I'll give an example. You could call somebody in London. And, you know, you you think that, that that that's absolutely fine. I'm dealing with this gentleman in London, and the next thing is they've agreed. Oh, we've got someone joined the uh, podcast. Um, and we let the dogs out. <laughs> you let the dogs in by the sounds of it. Well, I'll explain why the barking in a moment, but carry on. <laughs> but the to, to answer the question, it's very difficult. So you, you, you're speaking to somebody in your home nation and they've agreed a transaction. You've supplied the equipment to where, you know, wherever the vessel is uh, in port. 
So that seems perfectly normal. But then the invoice could come, uh, the, the payment for your invoice, which you've sent to a London office, could come from anywhere, could come from anywhere. And more often than not, it comes through a clearing bank. So mm. that then suddenly becomes your one and only point of reference. That's it, the clearing bank. You you have no observation past that clearing bank. So very, very difficult, very, very difficult. And and I'm sure that if you are a perfectionist at this, it could it 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 could you well, could mask pretty much anything. Well, yeah, I th- mm. and I think that's right. I think what it what it does is I mean, you're caught between a rock and a hard place. If you think about one of the things like the SWIFT system, which has been in the press quite a lot, right? So one of the things that SWIFT system does is it gives you transparency about what's going on across across money networks. So if you if somebody's not on that network, well, you can't see what they're doing. So it just it just people start to get creative, and that and that that whole the the policing of sanctions and the sanction and and the people who are trying to avoid sanctions they're getting increasingly creative and the policing gets, you know, has to, is always playing catch up as to the the creativity of, because you've got a number of, are are you a sanctioned entity? Well, what can I do? What can I do about being changing that entity? So I'm not a sanctioned entity anymore, or how can I disguise if it's a sanctioned activity? How do I, can I, can I change that in some way? Can I disguise it in some way? And, and so, that's why uh, the, 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 that's what people will do. So it's a really, but but clearly, the, you know, the sanctions environment here has has really bitten um, and, and is biting hard. And some trades, since again, shipping as the logistics providers kind of in the middle, but it's the trades themselves that are actually being sanctioned. And although at the moment, for example, there's no sanctions on um, oil and gas sales that I'm aware of from 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 Russia. You can still buy Russian oil and gas. However, if you will, you get somebody to transport it. No, well, I can so see that, so the ship from my desk here that's just arrived with a load of oil from Russia coming into Tramia Oil Terminal. And, is that uh, the one that turned around in the Atlantic, or is it another one? Uh, this is another one, uh, I think. So, um, yeah, she's just arrived. She's just got tugs on, and she's heading into the port as we speak. And that's. Um, a cargo of oil from Primorsk in Russia on a German-flagged vessel. With what, with, with what crew and who's managing the ship, Steve? Yeah. Well, Get down yeah. there, Steve. <laughs> well, unfortunately, it's <laughs> raining. Otherwise, I would. But uh... <laughs> Louise, let me... Let, it, it, hmm. it, for the audience, it will be very, very complex to understand how shipping works. But if we if we just veer off slightly to a subset of shipping which is Mm. the super yacht market and the super yacht market is within our uh industry because they're so big now they are cluster ships they are so so big and therefore they have to uh, they, they have to comply with all of the regulations so that they suddenly become a market within themselves it's estimated that 10 percent of the world's super yacht fleet are potentially owned by Russians. But you ask the question, how do you know? Well, you don't know because these super yachts for tax purposes are registered in in a Caribbean island. Um, The management of those super yachts are carried out by companies based in Monaco. And you approach that company in Monaco and you sell your services and you are asked who, because you genuinely want to be nosy and interested, who owns this yacht that is worth 400 million 
dollars mm-hmm. and they say you're not allowed to know the owner we don't know the owner no one needs to know who the owner is and that's because it was to uh, hide the celebrity status of that individual but now i'm sure the same question is being asked who owns it well we, we're not telling you because we don't know ourselves so it just goes to show and that super yacht needs filling up it needs servicing it's crewed primarily by british seafarers they don't know the owner it it because the owner won't announce he's the owner when he comes up i mean one Maybe. of the things i've always felt about shipping is that uh, it kind of it makes complex things very simple you know taking a load of oil from russia across the sea round here up to mersey is a complex thing and it makes that quite simple but the simple things within shipping are very very complicated and as we've said you know these chains of ownership of control the tendrils that come out of any one ship and you know we talked about the one there uh, who's the crew who's the manager who's the owner where's the bank who's insuring it all of a sudden you know within a couple of minutes of just asking a few questions, you get these incredibly complex. And so when someone makes a very simple statement, like we're going to ban Russian ships from the UK, that's a very easy thing to say, but you don't have to scratch far below the surface to see that it's actually a really, really difficult mm-hmm. thing to, to please, to operate, to control. And, you know, and that's the problem that we've got at the moment. Is it very irritating when you hear the transport minister, for example, saying, "Okay, we're just going to ban Russian ships? Do you feel that just illustrates the lack of knowledge he has about the sector? Um, I I think it's, you know, it has to be said, you know, the the things that are going on, the sanctions, the all means necessary to try and head off the terrible events in Ukraine are necessary. So those types of statements are important and those actions are important. But I do worry that it's just too simple to say something like that. And then it translates into people going, well, what do you mean? Does it, is, it, is the master going to be thrown in prison if he moves the ship? Because he's there was one that came out of the Manchester Ship Canal yesterday, Russian owned, um, took a pilot on, took a, you know, had the master, etc. Now, if you read the rules, the legislation, someone should have been in trouble for that. But because we wanted to get the ship gone, I suspect, then everyone just turned a bit of a blind eye and off it went. And it's now steaming across the Irish Sea down to receive orders. It's actually quite risky for the government to come out with stuff like that. Um, I mean, and, 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 and so and I'm not saying they're wrong. It's just it's risky because it's the right gesture. There's nobody would argue with that. You know, we, we need to we need to. Um, respond to Russia's aggression everywhere we can in any way we can any any mm-hmm. legitimate way we can um but you know when he's when Steve just talked about well I've got a tanker outside my window you know with Russian crude on so the, 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 the they're almost a host the government's almost immediately a hostage to fortune for its own statement a lack of clarity about what what did you actually mean when you said that um but but the, the I think the British ports industry came back and said we'll need some legislation around you know what what is it you mean they've got a very short bullet point list which people are trying to work through um, so yeah it's it's kind of the right thing and the wrong thing all at the same time because it, it, if it's not properly thought through properly explained almost immediately there'll be somebody out there because of the transparency of shipping says well if you just said that how is that happening here. And it's a very easy observation to, 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 it's very 
very easy connections to make. Um, yeah, the ship's probably not Russian. It's probably classed somewhere else, probably not flagged there, but it's now carrying a Russian cargo. May even have Russian crew on international ships. We saw that wonderful picture of um, a Ukrainian and Russian master and mate, you know, holding yeah. their flags and, uh, you know, th th that kind of brilliant. stuff. Yeah, that was brilliant, really. That was, that's really what it's all about. And there's a, there's a lot of evidence of seafarers just saying, you know, this is nonsense. Just this is not the way we want to operate. Um, but yeah, so I think difficult stuff, difficult times and shipping and international trade is not just shipping, but the trading entities themselves. Let's not just focus on the shipping bit. There's a lot of complexity there into, into knowing your counterparty. Who are you dealing with? Who's standing behind them? And who and sometimes who's standing behind them? Who's standing behind them? Who's standing behind them? And it's really difficult to, you know, the lawyers have a rather elegant phrase called piercing the corporate veil. And that's what mm. all this is about. And the difficulties of piercing the corporate veil. And is it something we could ever do better, or is it just is is the the nature of global trading, commodity trading, shipping, just something that we have to live with as being um, a slippery, smokes and mirrors, unpleasable, completely industry? It's a bit like yeah. It's trying to grab a bar of soap it's uh, it's it, but so it's a, it's an ongoing struggle and it will continue there i don't believe because some people talk about you know blockchain secure and all the rest of it and then somebody else said to me yeah you can just make sure your fraud is secure because it doesn't stop you dealing with you know it secures the transaction but the, the people that are doing it they, they, they don't necessarily need to be uh, good actors so sorry Stu, you were you were no I, I, I agree you know i i understand it i understand the industry but it needs a willingness and i think going back to why the, the government statement that they made i think it's relying on everybody's moral position and i think that's what it is it's a statement to say you know we can't say too much because it's complex and it's legal so we're really leaning on you it's almost like a a call to arms, but from a commercial point of view, we know that we know, we know, you know, the industry. So we're relying on your morals to decide how you police the people that you deal with. And of course, everyone knows who they're dealing with and how it's all fabricated around the world. And that's great because I think most, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure most people believe that this is wrong, what he's doing. I certainly do. But I, I'll ask another question. If I take the moral high ground and I do what the government want me to do, I could end up losing significant business. Luckily, we don't. We've, we've checked and we've done all our assessments, but there will be other companies. And then they've got a, a moral challenge because they're now employing people at the end result of this transaction that are UK based. And who's supporting that lack of, 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 of commercial revenue? Uh, it's all very well to say, yeah, I won't work with you anymore. But that was 80 percent of your revenue in some cases with some companies. That's a lot of people already immediately impacted by your moral decision and they could be out of a job. Um, what a great time to be out of a job when, you know, when your fuel bill is more than your mortgage and uh, you know, which is another effect, a knock on. So this is this 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 situation is not to be taken lighthearted and it is it is a dangerous position we're in militarily absolutely dangerous and scary and i think that we 
can't comment too much on that. And there's other people doing that for everybody. But for us, just taking our snapshot in our industry, which is very close to it, I think we have to look at all, and we are a very uh, uh, almost litmus of what we, we are all going to suffer. And we all, we all, in my opinion, are all going to suffer in some way, whatever and, and, and however think, long this goes. And I think that's necessarily so, because you know there are a lot of inter interdependencies and connections within the world and so we cannot i think no country can but no but you you cannot hurt somebody else meaningfully without taking some damage yourself and this is the thing when we talk about russian gas if you say right we're not going to import any more russian gas can you get gas elsewhere no we've now got gas shortages so people start having this this constraints around that so pe people will will suffer but if we don't if we don't get it right and we don't have meaningful a meaningful response, then you're left with just writing nasty notes to people. Essentially, write them, send them a memo saying we don't approve of what you're doing, but it's meaningless unless 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 something else happens. And in that in in our interdependent world, doing something meaningful is going to going to means it's going to hurt you too. And it's a bit, all you all you want to make sure is that you're hurting them more than they're hurting you. And that's really. The, the, and, and the, the dilemma that Stu's just highlighted is the one that's being worked through, um, you know, as we as we speak. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think at the moment, the evidence shows that, that that at the moment the Russian economy is suffering more than ours at this point in time. Uh, you know, ours as in the international community's economies, yeah. uh, um, rather than say anything like the UK. I think I am going to have to bring um, our Smoko brew to an end, unfortunately, because I feel time like... Time to get back to work, Smoko's <laughs> over. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is time to get back to work. I, I don't think there's any way on earth we can end this discussion on any kind of a light note, but please do tell me if you have any chink of light or hope that we can end this on. I was curious to go back to Stephen um, and right at the beginning you did promise us that you would tell us why your dog was barking and Stephen Margot has interrupted a few times now she has and I apologize terribly for that there will be disciplinary actions taken <laughs> later um she was barking because she saw a big ship full of Russian oil going down the river <laughs> <laughs> he's Romanian you see another, 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 another citizen warrior and, and I, right. but I, I, I do think I do think there's a certain event that will have been and gone by the time we speak again and meet and I think we should check in with Stu because he's got a big O coming up and huh? uh, uh, yeah yeah, I'm hoping I'm hoping we will have done another recording before before then. But yeah, fifth 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 of April, the countdown has begun. Let's just officially start the countdown. Were you looking for more cards by publishing the date? Well, yeah, you know, it was. Uh, yeah, you can't you can't forget it. It's the time. How are you feeling? How are you, how are you feeling about the big five zero? And obviously, I'm speaking at somebody who's some way past. I'm I'm I've got nine years, nearly nine years of experience of being fifty. So, what about what about how are you feeling about that? I, it's been a it's it, it's I don't well first of all I don't ever bother with birthdays I've, I've said that before but this one seems to have just been I don't know I just seem to have been thinking about it for at least the last 11 months and two days mm -hmm. and 
I just want it over and done with. I don't want any fanfare. I want no parties. If anyone's listening, uh, if I see a party, I'm swiveling and turning and walking away. <laughs> no. and go and enjoy a beer with. Yeah, I don't want a party. I don't want a party. You can have a party. Are you, are you doing anything to market, Stu? I'm probably going to do something, but I'm not going to tell anybody what I'm going to do. And I'm just <laughs> going to go off and do it myself. And uh, yeah, the big 5-0, 5th of April. Uh, let's just get it done. Um, hopefully we'll have recorded something by then. But just on the point of news, uh, mm. there is a few things that have grabbed my attention. And obviously we've been drawn into something that would go on and on and on for hours. Mm. But it was... <laughs> You forget how society changes and the tapestry of society. And I was absolutely blown over the other day when our financial director posted a picture of himself with a Ukrainian flag. And I've known Dan for many years. And I was like, well, what on earth and how is that connected? I thought he came mm. from good Irish stock. <laughs> and no, his grandfather, and I spoke to him about this yesterday, his grandfather um, left Ukraine after the Second World War and landed in Manchester and then obviously had his father and um, and then he moved to Ireland and then Dan wow. uh, came here. So a big shout out to Dan and he's got a lot of family still out there and he was talking about it and they've all they've all gone out to see where their where their family was from in years gone by. And he's keeping in touch with them using social media as a point there. So a big shout out to Dan and his extended family there. Mm. Um, the, the one thing I would like to just bring everyone back to, and I know I harp on about it, but it was interesting to see that last time we spoke, uh, OneWeb had uh, sent more satellites up for its uh, continuous coverage of uh, pretty accessible internet for the seafarers and they were continuing that launch program but today the Russians have ransomed OneWeb and said that um, unless this is not being used against us when it goes up we ain't launching it so OneWeb has all of its new internet satellites in Russia on a rocket that isn't going to get fired and I think that's a way to wrap up uh, today that we are all connected. I, th I thought that was going to be another Elon Musk fanboy moment, but <laughs> I, I think Sorry, I've done the fanboy that. moment too much. But yeah, I, it, it is it, it, a guy that doesn't take anything as a, well, always takes something as an opportunity to advertise himself. But he has sent containers full of his Starlink dishes to the Ukraine so that they can use his Starlink and he's maneuvered the constellations over Ukraine so they can have um, independent uh, connection to the internet if anybody was to cut their uh, cables so yeah well, it's sad times well you're absolutely I mean Stu you're absolutely right I mean we use uh, you know that we talk about stay connected and safe and that's never been more relevant than it is today. Yeah. Mm. So, and with that, I think it's time for me to get back to work. I agree. All right. Take care, Stay everybody. Stay safe, everyone. Stay right. safe. <laughs>